Hello, Lime Ninjas, and welcome to episode 74 of Lime Ninja Radio. I'm your host, McKay Rippey, and with us all the way from lovely La Jolla, California, is our official show producer and the brains behind the operation, Aurora. Hello, and I'm really excited to share today's interview with our Lyme expert, Dr. Eva Shopey. She has an important new study out about Lyme disease, and I know you're going to want to learn all about it. Before we dive into today's show, I want you to know that we started Lime Ninja Radio to bring you all the information and inspiration you need to become a Lime Ninja. And you can always learn more about Lime Ninja Radio at LimeNinjaRadio.com. Thanks, Aurora. Why don't you tell us a little bit about today's Lime expert? Okay. Dr. Eva Shopey is an associate professor professor of biology and environmental science at New Haven University. She joined the University of New Haven faculty in 2001. Professor Shopee grew up in Hungary and earned her PhD in genetics before coming to the United States for postdoctoral training in molecular biology at the Yale University School of Medicine. She researches Lyme disease, pathogenic biofilm, antibiotic resistance, and different morphology of the Borrelia burgdorferi. Brilliant. That's a tough read. You did great. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Here is our interview with Dr. Eva Shapi, all about her brand new study. So tell me all about your exciting news. So, uh... I, I think last time we talked, we, uh, we discussed that uh, Borrelia, uh, the Lansis bacteria, can hide in the body, but we didn't have any proof uh, that it's really this uh, uh, new form called biofilm, uh, which we discussed, is really exists in the body. So the last couple of years, we were searching, you know, different tissues, and we got some tissues from Austria. They are, in fact, skin tissues. And those tissues, I already showed some signs for interesting formation. So that's why we, we really uh, looked at those tissues very carefully. And, and actually, we did find a biofilm, beautiful biofilms. Um, the next step was obviously uh, to see how can we uh, convince uh, all, those, all those scientists who don't believe that uh, biofilm exists. So we had to develop all kinds of different techniques. Uh, and we have to be sure that, you know, all those techniques are showing the same thing. And finally, uh, last summer, finally we had all the data, so we put everything together and we sent it for publication and it was accepted. And it's coming out this week uh, in, a, in a European journal. So that's very exciting. That's, that's, we, are, we are very, very happy, I have to say, because it was, it was a long, long journey. Really, the first discovery to show that it really exists in a human body. And so, why was that so difficult to prove? I mean, if you think about borrelia biofilm, it, it does exist. Uh, it means we have a very uh, antibiotic resistant form. Uh, it's not just all group, but also John Hopkins and Harvard uh, discovered that there's such a thing as borrelia persisters. And those cells are capable of creating these uh, aggregates or colonies, and those those colonies able to abandon themselves in, in their collagen. Now, human bodies, obviously, the human tissue, the connective tissue is full of collagen, so that's actually mm-hmm. exactly where we find, find them. 
And if if the embedding collagen is a very resistant form, the next question, how can we even even uh, address it uh, with our antibiotics? Again, let me let me remind you that a biofilm for other uh, bacterial species can be as resistant to bio, uh, antibiotic as SARS and SARS over the you know the regular right. uh, regular forms. So uh, SARS and form is. Is, is very toxic for an antibiotic. So we really have to develop completely novel therapeutic approaches. And, uh, and that, 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 you know, that maybe, may, it might explain why those, uh, Lyme patients are not recovering. And it's the biofilm within the collagen or is it on, on top of the collagen? That's exactly what is our next question. The, so I have now two new, two okay. new students who will ask these questions. What we're seeing so far in the lab, the Borrelia, when it, when, when it meets the human cells, it, it is something happening. Uh, some kind of rearrangement is happening. We have this new experiment when we take Borrelia and we put it together with fibroblasts, uh, which is, in, you know, it's in the skin, and to see what happens to fibroblasts. And what we're seeing so far, and again, this is, this is happening right now, so the fibroblasts somehow completely uh, rearranging. It's almost like, like the fibroblasts making room for Borrelia. It's, it's very weird. So this is I just I was receiving uh, some of the proposals from my students. That's exactly what we're gonna look at the next next year. What exactly happening with those with those when when Borrelia and the human cell meet? So what kind of what kind of interaction will happen? Right, and also what are you hoping that you know now that there's. A study, your study, showing that these biofilms and these persister cells work together and it exists within within humans. What what are you hoping this accomplishes in the rest in the broader Lyme community and the research community? What do you think this will open up? I hope it open up uh, the, again the chronic Lyme question because you know the last couple of years we we still deny that we such a thing as chronic Lyme. Right now, we call it some post-Lyme syndromes or all kind of different names. But having biofilm exist in a human body, hopefully, will at least open up some doors to really go back and 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 uh, open up the question: whether do we have really an antibiotic-resistant form? Is our antibiotic is 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 really working? Or do we need to have a completely different approach to really address Lyme disease? Right, to break down the mm-hmm. biofilm. Now, in that regard, a patient sent me uh, a paper that you were a co-author on about stevia. Yeah, yeah. so that, that, is, that is one of my uh, This is one of, one, of, one of my postgraduate fellow who finished the study. And this is also an, one, one of the, one of our uh, questions. Do we need different uh, therapeutic for Borrelia biofilm, and and we tried mm-hmm. all the antibiotics uh, you can you can think of, uh, and we were very surprised that certain cells like the persisters or or the biofilm they don't respond to those antibiotics what uh, what you would expect. So for me right. at this point you you go back to nature and see what other you know what other therapeutics you can you can think of. And it was an interesting paper back in 2011 in Nature. 
And, uh, and the researchers actually used a very interesting approach to, to take care of biofilm. So what they did, uh, they add sugar uh, next to the antibiotics. The whole idea is when you add sugar, you're feeding, you're feeding the, uh, the biofilm and feeding those persistent cells. And, and they start to again grow and they start to maybe open those biofilm channels, which we also found. And hopefully the antibiotics oh. can come in. So I had I had a right. student about three years ago, uh, and she she loved the paper. And she said, I would like to try something similar to Borrelia, especially Borrelia biofilm. I said, let's go ahead. And so she purchased every single sugar you can think of. And stevia was one of the, you know, one of the sugar substitutes, yes? And, uh, yes, and sure. since we find too much feed than the regular, you know, uh, sugars, but when she did the stevia, the very first experiment, she said, I, I don't understand. It, it looks like stevia is, is very effective. So we obviously, we, at this point, we purchased every single stevia you can think of. You know, I went to the house to store. <laughs> I, just, you know, I just grabbed whatever I found, you know. And uh, right. from different uh, uh, extracts from the powder, you, know, you can buy the powder. And, and we tested all of them. And some of them, some of them tested extremely well. And at the very same time, it was a, it was a paper from uh, John Hopkins researchers that they find that regular antibiotic is now working for the persistors, but they find some new ones. So, of course, immediately we purchased this new antibiotics, and I said, okay, let's compare stevia to these new antibiotics to see which one is better. And, and they sure. were very comparable. They were very, they worked very same way. Except when, when we, we had the biofilm, stevia worked and the other antibiotics worked. And again, uh, everybody asked me why stevia is working. And I think that the reason stevia is working because of the sugar, obviously. And also it mm-hmm. is, it is, uh, it is an antimicrobial. This is actually the leaf, you know, right. the Japanese leaf, uh, um, but they put it up and they use a stevia. And we also find that the, that the, uh, Alcohol extract works the best. So, so whatever whatever is, is in stevia leaf um, uh, has to be extracted by using alcohol because they're like the powder things work. Mm. So, so, right. uh, so I think that's a, that's a very promising study. A uh, lot of uh, lot of scientists actually argued that oh, how do we know how stevia is going to work? You know, in the human body, we don't. You know, but this study showed that we have to be very smart about Borrelia. We have to have something which is sort of tricks Borrelia, like the Trojan horse sure. kind of trick, yes? So, yes. so Borrelia doesn't yeah, yeah. realize it's an antibiotic. It's, it's going to take it in uh, like like a food. And at the same time, if it has an antimicrobial effect, it will work, it will work also. We also did some stevia and doxy combination. It also, uh, we had some interesting results in that. So, so I think the paper just showed that it is, it is possible. It is not hopeless. We might, we might need to, we might need to, you know, uh, figure out how to deliver it. But that's okay because it's now we know that something working. And there's another paper coming out with B-venom. And, uh, B-venom actually was used for Lyme disease a long time ago. I'm probably you've heard about that. Yes, and it was a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. It was it was one uh, researcher asked us to. Uh, he, uh, she knew that we testing all kind of agents, or also alternative agents, and 
She asked us to test also Bivenom. She even sent us some Bivenom with, with a certificate, so I knew that Korea. And again, very, very first experiment, very promising. So we also repeated everything. Uh, it was a parallel study with Stevia. It's, it's, it's writing, up the, uh, writing up the paper right now. Very promising. So, so, so we have agents for biofilm, Borrelia biofilm. We, we probably have to figure out how to maybe use a synthetic form or maybe couple it with something to deliver it better in the body. But we do have something already which, which hopefully, hopefully will work. Uh, right now, uh, uh, we just actually looked up uh, for B-venom. They, they use it for cancer therapy also and for HIV therapy. And they couple it with nanoparticles. So, so there are already some interesting approach how to deliver this alternative agent. And I'm sure that, you know, after we publish some of, some of the company might think about the music. Very, very good. So your little lab there in New Haven is doing amazing work. Where do you want to go next? What's curious? What's got your yeah. attention? Um, we just got a very interesting grant for uh, Global Alliance, uh, Global Line Alliance, and this grant uh, we are examining some autopsy tissues. Uh, these tissues is this, this person died uh, from Lyme disease. Very well documented uh, case, Dr. Ligner case, famous Lyme uh, doctor, and uh, we were lucky lucky enough to have uh, some access some autopsy tissues, and and again we were lucky to. Uh, have uh, that many different issues. So, of course, the question is, we already find Borrelia biofilm in the skin. Where else we can find Borrelia mm. biofilm? Again, this patient died from Lyme disease. Uh, actually, the, the, I think the diagnosis was uh, it, she died from uh, inflammation. So, we already, right. um, when we started this project, again, two years ago, uh, we got a couple, a couple of sections, you know, from a couple of uh, organs, and we we did find something which is looked like Borrelia biofilm. At this point, obviously, we didn't we didn't have the the paper accepted for the for the skin skin tissue, so we couldn't really say Borrelia biofilm. Just say Borrelia biofilm like aggregates, yes. And uh, but uh, so yes. I wrote up a grant because we needed some funds to finish the study, and actually we just got accepted. So this year we're gonna look at all all the all the organs uh, available from this patient, and we will see where can we find Borrelia biofilm. Uh, we also want to have one more question is, do we, do we have any other pathogen in this patient which is maybe uh, made Lyme disease, you know, fatal, yes? So we're going to use a very new called the whole genome sequencing approach. So we're going to take some tissues, uh, autopsy tissues, we're going to make DNA, and we're going to send it to sequencing centers to see what other uh, DNA in this tissue other than Borrelia and human DNA. So that is extremely exciting because it might have us understand why some people die from life disease. So that, right. that will be one of the major focus in the lab. And the other one is uh, the, the interaction between human cells and Borrelia and what kind of rearrangement happens when it's biofilm forming. So this is this will be a two major goal right now for the lab. Right, because the biofilm can be whole collections of different viruses and bacteria, Absolutely. correct? Absolutely. This is the thing. I mean, we, we study like Borrelia biofilm, but in a, in a human body, it might be this biofilm has all kinds of other, you know, 
other pathogenesis. And actually, we have another study which we also try to uh, uh, finish. Uh, I don't know if you heard about Morganon disease. Of course, yeah. yes. So Morganon disease, uh, we only find Borrelia, uh, but we also ask the questions that can we have something else. So we already did this uh, whole genome you know, sequencing, and we find H. pylori. So right now we have, uh, really? we, have a, we have a paper coming out. Uh, I'm working on a paper uh, to show that, for example, in monogram tissues, this is skin, skin uh, tissues uh, regions, uh, in, in, on those kind of Borrelia biofilm, it's not just Borrelia biofilm, but it, it could have other pathogens. And, of course, you can say it could be more. Of course, who knows? Because, you know, a problem with this you know, whole genome sequencing, uh, usually the... The most of the sequence is human sequence. It's human tissue. So sometimes it's like, you know, finding the needle in the haystack, yeah? You, mm-hmm. uh, actually, I'm, I'm just talking to some companies to see how can we, how can we make this uh, approach even more uh, successful, you know, to find the needle in the haystack. Because I think it's more more in those biofilms, other than Borrelia or H. pylori. I'm, I, I almost positive that we're going to find more pathogens. And, and that's when it complicates probably the clinical pictures. Yeah, very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. So it, perhaps, and I'm sure you're thinking of this as well, that the Borrelia just makes a better biofilm than some of the other pathogens. That's a very good question. <laughs> and, exactly. Who is, who, yeah. is, who is the trouble here? Yeah? Who, is, who is really making that? Yeah. Uh, if you if you listen to Dr. Borescano uh, lectures, he always said that something about Borrelia uh, makes everything extremely complicated. So when he talks about yes. co-infections, he said always always think about Borrelia first. And after when Borrelia is gone, everything is gone. So so actually, we're wondering that Borrelia, the fact that it's making this biofilm and this is very very anti-resistant biofilm, it might help other pathogens to hide. In this biofilm. Yes. Right. Okay. I think that about covers it, unless there's anything else you want to so add. I want to say thanks, everybody, for, for the general support. We're getting emails uh, uh, and messages on our Facebook page, uh, and, and, and it's wonderful. Thank you very much, everybody, who's, who's listening and supporting us. Yeah, it's fantastic. So the next, I mean, your publication schedule, the next year or two or three is going to be amazing output in this, yeah? I hope so. I mean, right now we're working on, on several papers. I, I, I discussed some of them. Uh, we have, I have, uh, the, the research group has new students. They're very enthusiastic. Uh, they're ready to go. Uh, I'm really hoping that the next couple of years we're going to have some, some major question answered and have other scientists to, to develop more effective approach to treat this awful disease. That's good. And in your opinion, do you think the the Hopkins project shows promise? Do you think that they are going to kind of fall on our side, so to speak, as I opposed hope, to the IDSA side? I hope so. I hope so. I think the fact that you know the last year they really showed that there, there are purposes. I think that's fantastic. I think because you know we kept saying it, you know, the last you know whatever ten fifteen years, nobody believed that, but now now we have confirmation. Obviously, the next thing is, you know, I would love if the, of the, of the researchers also start to look at actual biofilms and we have all the protocols, how to make them in the lab. 
and you and try those antibiotics on the, on those uh, biofilms. And again, they have access to those FDA drug libraries. You know, they have a good chance to find something. So I'm really hoping yeah. that they will. Me too. <laughs> Dr. Shapi, thank you. You've been very generous with your time. And if people want to support your work, how can they do that? Actually, right now I'm setting up a support page, uh, and uh, we got an actual Facebook Facebook site. And if you just go to Facebook and and search uh, UNH Languages Research Group, which you know it, we will show up, and everything what we do, uh, all the publications, every single event we you know we're planning or. Uh, or participated on the Facebook so you can follow us what we are doing terrific thank you so much and thank you for your thank work you, thank you for having me that was a great interview Dr. Shoppy is doing fantastic research yeah, she's a top-notch researcher. I mean, she was at the Yale University School of Medicine. You can't get any better than that. And now that she's at a smaller university, she has all that top-notch training, but she's free to explore her passions. Her lab isn't kind of driven by money and making sure they get enough grants to keep everything going. So it's really an incredible mix of, of know-how and training and freedom. It's really producing mm-hmm. great, great stuff. I can't see... Can't wait to see what she comes up with next. Okay, Aurora, if somebody needs more Lime Ninja in their life, visit our website at www.limeninjaradio.com. There you can find all 73 past episodes. On the website, you can also sign up for our Ninja Insider mailing list and pick up the Lime Ninja Brain Talk Cheat Sheet as our thank you. Yes, and if you're listening to Lime Ninja Radio on iTunes, please take a minute to rate us and leave a comment. It will help other people find the podcast. And last, this podcast would not be complete unless we left you with the Lime Ninja Fact of the Day. Did you know ninjas don't get haircuts? Their hair grows to the perfect length and stops. Lime Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.